today on Word of Grace Radio with Senior Pastor and Teacher Joe Marquez. To strengthen you. I want to see you. I long to see you. It just does not want to see you. He's, it was a longing in his heart to go and spend some time with them because he wants to share a spiritual gift with them. Whatever spiritual gift that, that may have been, and whether he's talking of, of the gifts of the Spirit um, or, or some spiritual gift, just take note of this. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian has at least one. And I, I've told you this, my story time and time again, how I went into the youth pastor and said, I want to help with the youth group. The first question he asked me, well, what spiritual gifts do you have? And I'm like, I didn't even know there was such a thing. What is that? And he said, well, what do you want to do? I just want to help. You got the gift of helps. That, that's one of the gifts. So the spiritual gifts are located in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Now the question may be asked, well, are there other gifts that are not mentioned? We Spiritual gifts, we don't know. It'd be pure speculation. But we do know the ones that are mentioned. So we can be certain of those. Your word of grace offers healing to the nation. Your word of grace brings peace and unity. Your word of grace breaks every stronghold. Welcome to Word of Grace Radio, a radio ministry of Grace Calvary Chapel located in San Antonio, Texas. We pray that God uses these sermons to bless, encourage, and help you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Joe is in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. The title of this sermon is, To Preach the Gospel in Rome. Here is the second half and conclusion of this verse-by-verse study with senior pastor and teacher, Joe Marquez. And the gifts are for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ. That's what they're for, to build up the body of Christ. So if you don't know what spiritual gifts you have, look them up and see if any of them jive with you. If you think, oh yeah, that's me. There I am, right? I, I, I like to help. You got the gift of help, sir. Or you, you maybe the gift of hospitality or, or maybe the gift of tongues. I don't know. The interpretation or, I mean, there's the, the gift of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. They're all spiritual gifts. But God gives it to you. It's not something, it's not a talent. It's not an ability. But on the same manner, while he gives it to you, you can certainly hone or develop your spiritual gifts. And so look them up, see what what gift you have. So Paul wanted to impart to them some to, notice, to strengthen them, to build them up, to make them stronger spiritually. He was willing to spend himself for them. Second Corinthians 12, 15, I will most gladly spend 
and be spent for your souls. If you love, if you love, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? But he also understood that while he was there to minister, he would be ministered to as well. In verse 12, he says that, that is, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Mutually encouraged. So what happens is you decide you're going to go on, on a little missions trip, right? And, and you, oh, I'm, going to go, I'm going to go to Mexico. You know, you've never been, you sign up, I'm going to Mexico, and you expect I'm going to be a blessing to the Mexican, Mexican folk, to the Christians down there. Or the non-believers, whoever, maybe to the kids. Maybe you're going to go, regalos de amor. And what you'll find out is that as you're blessing them, you'll be blessed in return. In fact, people will often say, I was more blessed than I believe they were. And it, should be, it actually should be expected. You should expect God to do that. It shouldn't be unexpected. He'll move in your heart and, and in your soul and uh, that that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul was not above God using someone else to minister to him. He never thought he was above being spiritually edified by other believers. I mean, if anyone would, besides Jesus, it would be Paul. I mean, if Paul had it, you know, he could, you know, what are you going to tell me? I wrote most of the New Testament, right? Actually, Luke did, but Paul was second. When it comes to a number of words and stuff, Luke actually wrote more than Paul did. But I wrote a bunch of the New Testament. What, what are you going to be able to tell me? No, he wasn't like that at all. He was able to receive that. And, and so whenever we enter into fellowship, I realize we have the idea, you know, we're here to serve, we're here to, to give, but you're also there to receive. And God is able to use anyone to minister to you in whatever situation it is. And, and I've told you the story before. I remember when my brother passed away and we were doing his, uh, his memorial service. Doing in, in a, you know, a, a tough time. And, and this little kid, I don't even know who this little, never had seen the kid before. Never seen him. He just comes up and, and uh, he grabs my hand. And he just says, I, I know how you feel. And he talks about how he had lost a parent just a few weeks before. I mean, just, I'd never seen this little kid. So we can, Paul would be mutually encouraged. He knew as he went to Rome, there would be believers there who would encourage him because he would need to be encouraged too, wouldn't he? I'm sure as difficult as it was, there would be times that he would need to be built up and lifted up. So he was never above being spiritually edified by other believers. Verse 13, he tells them, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So you want them to, to understand, yeah, I tried to come, but for some reason the Lord put a roadblock, Right? Thus far have been prevented. The Holy Spirit didn't allow him to come. He, uh, he would eventually come, and he would come at the expense of the Roman government. Now he would come as a prisoner, but it was still at the expense of the Roman government. He would be imprisoned there in Jerusalem. He would appeal to Caesar, and he would be sent to Rome by boat. 
boat would be shipwrecked, and then he would eventually make his way to Rome, but he would come. But he wanted them, he wanted the Romans to know, I've been wanting to come to see you there again. When he was praying, he was praying, Lord, send me, send me to them in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Some harvest or, or some fruit, right? He wants some fruit of, of ministry. John 15, 16, Jesus said, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and pointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, fruit is used in, in different ways in Scripture. You, you look at the context and you figure it out. So sometimes it's used as a metaphor for the characteristics or the attitudes of a believer. In Galatians 5, 22, 23, it's called what? The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I guess such things, there is no law. Sometimes it refers to an action. When you, when you praise the Lord, it's called the fruit of your lips. Or when you give, it's called the fruit of, of, of a Christian's hands. Fruit of giving. But here, I think Paul's referring to the increase of believers to Christ. That God would add other believers to the body of Christ. Like he said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither is he who plants nor he or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So he thanked God for them, and he longed to see them because he was obligated to preach to them. I'm obligated to preach to you. An obligation. Now, understand... Growing up religious, you know, the word obligation was used, wasn't it? Sunday was a holy day of obligation. Holy day of obligation. I, I, I had to go, we had to go to church. We would go. But when you have to do something, you know, it, it's not the same as wanting to do something, is it? You know, I have to. And, and I've told you before, when I would, you know, I would go, I would park my car so that you know, it, it was, I could be the first one out of the parking lot. The parking lot would get full of folk. I would sit in the back. You know, I'm not saying anything about you guys back there, but I would sit in the back. Maybe I am. That's why we try to put the most uncomfortable seats in the rear so that nobody sits back there. But we're going to put spikes from now on. That way, you all move forward. But I would sit in the back. That way, you know, if I didn't make it to confession, I'm not going to receive communion. Once they start passing out communion, poof. You're free to leave the building, essentially, is what I thought. And then when they came up with Saturday night service for Sunday, hallelujah, who's, who's the genius who thought that one up? You know, you don't have to go to church on Sunday. You can go Saturday, fulfill your holy day of obligation on Saturday and do whatever you want Saturday night. You don't need to have to wake up to go to church. I'm like, praise the Lord. Somebody real, really thinking here. And they were accommodating all the heathen in the body of Christ there, so to speak. No, but this obligation was uh, to the Lord for the benefit of the people. They said, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. 
It's another way of saying everybody needs to hear the gospel. Everybody. Being a, a, you know, part of the Greco-Roman culture at that time, the Greeks were thought of as, as the bright ones or the intelligent ones. That's why Greeks are first and then barbarians. Not so bright. Then the wise and then the foolish ones. But he had a debt or he was under obligation to God, but his payment was to men. All right? Under obligation to God, but his payment was to men. And and I think that's important because I I spoke about it a little bit already, how we remember that we serve God while we're serving men. And Hudson Taylor understood this, the great 19th century missionary to China. He was asked one time, you know, you're such an influence out in the Orient, you must really love the Chinese. And he goes, you know, it's not that I really love the Chinese, but I really love God. I really love God. Because if it was just for the Chinese, the Chinese would let him down. You know, they, they didn't have a welcome banner there when he, when he went to China. Welcome, Hudson Taylor. Uh, they didn't know who he was. They wanted to kill him. Uh, and he became one of them, in a sense. Took on their dress, their lifestyle, um, and ended up you know, leading a, a great ministry there in China. So understand this. You serve God, you love God and you serve him, you're under obligation to him, a debt that we can never repay, right? We can never repay it. And out of a grateful heart, we serve the Lord for what he has done for us, something that that we could never possibly repay. But he needed then to preach the gospel. In verse 15, so I'm eager to preach the gospel. He said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, 17, for if I preach the gospel... That gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. So he was eager then. He wanted to do it. He wanted to preach. And notice the word preach. The word preach is caruso. It means to proclaim verbally. You have to open your mouth, in other words. No, because you've heard people say before, well, I, I you know, I, what was that one thing somebody said? Preach the gospel all, always. If necessary, use words. Words are always necessary. You cannot, you're doing something else if you're not preaching the gospel, if you're not using words. It's not preaching. It's something else, okay? Understand that. You have to open your mouth because if you don't, then people will look at you like, you know, they're a little different, but what are they? Yeah, you know, we're having our 40th year high school reunion in July. And, and I remember Wilma, Wilma Falls or Fails, or I forget her last, Fails or Falls, senior English. And always during reading time, and you know, in the, we would have a time to read, right? It was the first class of the day. A little time to read. She'd always be reading her Bible. And now I know, you know, what she was about. She's a believer, Right? I never knew what the gospel was. She never said, hey, Joe, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? Did she read her Bible? Sure. And what would we think? She's a little weird. I mean, this is reality. She dresses differently and, you know, a little bit Amish, a little bit Mormon, you know, just a little bit bit different there. 
you know, a little bit weird. I'm just, you know, just being honest with you guys. Hell, if she would have said, hey, this is the gospel. The wrath of God is going to come upon you if you don't turn. A couple of weeks, we'll be speaking about the wrath of God. It's interesting how Paul tells you about the gospel. And then when he begins to proclaim it, the first thing he talks about is what? The wrath of God. Because you cannot have the good news without understanding the bad news. If people don't understand that their sin will send them to hell and they'll be forever without, without heaven, they don't come to that comprehension that there's no way they can get to heaven on their own, then why do they need Jesus? They need to understand the severity of their sin and the severity of God's wrath. Wrath is not a nice word, but... You know, it's interesting just reading about that because I was, you know, I've been studying up ahead. Uh, there are a lot of worship songs that would contain the wrath of God. Now, most of them, there's nothing. It's all, you know, Jesus loves you. He takes you the way you, you know, and, and I understand that, but we need the whole balance. We need the entire balance of Scripture to give us comprehension. So that's forthcoming. We'll see how we feel after that message. I won't let you know when it is. That way you're here. You know what I mean? But he's eager to preach the gospel, to proclaim it out loud, to tell them that they would come to know Jesus Christ to you who also are in Rome. So he was determined to go to Rome. He said in Acts 20, 24, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. He wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to tell them about Jesus. He knew there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. And he was obligated to preach the good news. His life had been changed dramatically, hadn't it? Years before, he would be killing Christians, rounding them up, taking them captive, probably getting paid for each head that, that he got, I bet you. And then Christ got a hold of him, and now he's telling others about us. And that's the power of the gospel. It reminds me of, uh, of Wes Bentley. You guys, you guys you've, we've had Wes here before, and, and his ministry and how Wes Bentley, former Marine, Decided he wanted to become a mercenary to go to Rhodesia. Back then it was called Rhodesia. So that he could kill blacks and get paid for it. Because he hated blacks. And Jesus Christ came into his life. Gave his heart to the Lord. Now he serves in South Sudan. Raising up a, a ministry of chaplains there. To help the South Sudanese army. God has changed his life completely. You, you would look at him and you'd say, what happened? Well, the power of the gospel. God changed him. And that's why when Paul first got saved, people would look at Paul and they were afraid of him. Don't bring him here. He's going to kill us. But Jesus got a hold of him. And that's what Christ does when he gets a hold of our life. So application then. I'll, I'll just ask you a couple of things. Number one, are you thankful for others? And, and I've sent out these things. I, I don't have them written down here, but um, number two, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Is, do you, have you set apart time to pray? You got a list. And, and I think it's something we should all consider. 
And then, are we obligated to preach? Do we have that same obligation? Romans, I mean, excuse me, Matthew 28, Matthew 28 uh, tells us this. It says, go therefore, Matthew 28, 19, 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we've all been given that great commission. You may say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't even know that's one of those listed. I'm not Billy Graham. You don't need to be Billy Graham. We're not going to hire a blimp, all right? You're, you're, we're the blimp, so to speak. We're, we're, the, we're the delivery system. I meant it that way. No other way, please. We're the delivery system. We're the deli- the, just the delivery, right? To share the gospel with others. Um, and if we would get that idea that we have an obligation that God has given us. See, it's his will that none perish but all come to repentance. He wants to see everyone come to know him. Uh, he doesn't want to lose anyone, and that's the heart of God. But he gives us freedom, and, and he'll allow people to make their choice. You know, I mean, I mean, it's that simple. No one's without excuse, as we'll learn. There are no excuses. So just pray for that. Let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, there is a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. And there may be some here who you don't understand your gospel, that it is good news because the bad news is so bad that, that our sin is very costly and our sin will keep us from heaven. The wages of sin is death, Scripture says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, if there is any here who have not given their life to Jesus, if, if you haven't told Jesus, Lord, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior, come into my life, then we want to give you that opportunity certainly to do that, to come to know him personally and intimately, to have a personal relationship with Jesus, to allow him to do what he's done for so many of us. Then just raise your hand and we'll pray for you. We pray that Jesus would become Lord of your life, that you be born again as Jesus told Nicodemus. Told him you must be born again. Or maybe you've found your life slipping in a life that at one time was on fire for the Lord. Now you've, you've become lukewarm, so to speak. And you need to reignite the flame of your love for God. If that's you, you really need to rededicate your life to the Lord. And we want to pray for you as well. Raise your hand and we'll pray for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus will once again become love of your life. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe. You know, becoming a Christian is not merely believing in some creed or or just doing a religious activity at church. It's actually asking Christ himself to take residence in your life and heart. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. If you'd like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, simply pray this prayer after me and mean it in your heart. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. I turn from my sins and open the door of my life and heart to you. 
I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior and ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We would love for you to come and visit us at our church at Grace Calvary Chapel, but we're more concerned with you getting plugged into a church, even if it's not ours. So finding a church that teaches the whole counsel of God, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, that's what you need. But we would also love to send you some information for free. You can go to our website under the Word of Grace Radio tab. There'll be a form there that says, I accepted Jesus Christ today. And you fill that out and we'll send you out some information for free. We would love for you to visit our website if you have any other questions. Maybe you didn't pray the prayer, but you have more questions that you want answered. You can do that at gracecalvarychapel.org. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's Word of Grace Radio episode as Pastor Joe goes through the Bible verse by verse, simply teaching the Word of God. Did you know that you can find this podcast to listen to it again, even download it or share it with someone by using Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, as well as our church website? You can also get information about church service times, submit a prayer request, donate to this radio ministry, or get in contact with Pastor Joe directly on our church website at gracecalvarychapel.org. But we would love for you to come visit us in person at 9107 Marbach Road, Suite 225, near Highway 151 in the Lackland Sea World area. Well, Senior Pastor and Teacher Joe Marquez would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. It has truly been a blessing for our church. So until next time, we pray that the Lord would richly bless you with His Word of Grace.